Good morning, everyone. It is Friday, October the 6th, 2023, and this is your Today's Focus. Today's Focus? Coffee during worship. Coffee during worship. Now, have you had a cup of coffee today? Maybe you have a cup of coffee in front of you right now. Maybe you have a coffee cup somewhere nearby. Just grab that coffee cup. Think about that coffee and ask yourself this. When you are in a worship service, should you be drinking a cup of coffee? Do you think it's acceptable? Do you think it's okay to have a cup of coffee during worship? Now, whenever we have one of these kinds of questions where people say, you shouldn't do this, or you should do this, or you shouldn't do this, or you should do this, and this is wrong, and this is wrong, it really, lots of, lots of questions arise on one, how, what are you basing this, this very strong conviction of that you're now trying to force on others? Where are you taking this from? Of course, everyone would claim it comes from the Bible, especially within Christianity, no matter what the conviction is. But a lot of times, when people have some issue with something, one of the most difficult things is to be extremely consistent in your perspective. Because a lot of times you think, wait, this is wrong. And then you're like, um, what about this? What about this? Let me at least offer an explanation. Okay. I cannot tell you how many times I have heard Christians say something. Usually it's Christian parents telling their kids, you cannot listen to secular music. You cannot. Secular music is worldly. Secular music is ungodly. And then they're like, okay, you understand that? Now, hey, come to the living room. We're going to watch a movie. <laughs> and you're like, that's a secular movie, okay, that has secular music in it. Okay, all right, whatever. I, again, I've seen some crazy things, right? I, I've seen like, uh, I, I, I knew I was a pastor's son and he gets in my car. He's all upset with the pastor. He's all upset and he's mad and he's upset with his father. Why? Because his father found that he had the soundtrack to, I don't know, was it Rocky Three? Probably Rocky Three. I think Rocky Three is the one who had Survivor, Eye of the Tiger. It, one of the Rocky soundtracks. He had the, the cassette. He had the CD and his father took it and broke it or burned it because you cannot have secular music in this house. But guess what? He could watch all the Rocky movies. <laughs> what? 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 How is that? Hey, you can watch the movies, but you cannot have the soundtrack. What? How? Who comes up with these rules? But sometimes within Christianity, that happens. And it happens frequently. So you may be saying, well, what does that have to do with coffee during worship? How? How is today's focus coffee during worship? Well, the reason today we're going to focus on coffee during worship is because, well... Literally, it's in the news. I am not making this up. Literally, this comes to us from Fox News. I am not making this up. Here is the headline. It was published yesterday at 3.15 a.m. Fox News. Breaking news alert. Headline, Minnesota pastors viral post about people drinking coffee in church ignites fiery debate. Minnesota pastors viral post about people drinking coffee in church ignites fiery debate. Not, not vile post, a viral post. If I said vile, it's not vile. Well, maybe, maybe if you're a coffee drinker, you may think it's vile. Okay. It's a viral post. So you have a Minnesota pastor. He, he makes a post that goes viral and it's about people drinking coffee in church and it has ignited a fiery debate. Now, I don't know how fiery, fiery the debate has been. I don't know how, how intense the debate has been. Now, I do know if they're, if Fox News is looking to what's going on on social media, come on, let's ask ourselves, what isn't a fiery debate? When it's on social media, people argue and fight over everything. So I don't really care, but it does raise some questions about church. So let me ask you this, all right? Before we get to this fiery debate, before we get to this viral post about people drinking coffee in worship, let me ask you a very important question. What can or can't people do during a worship service? 
Are there hard and fast rules of what they can and cannot do? Are there hard and fast rules of what they should or shouldn't do in a worship service? Should people be texting during a worship a worship service? They're on their phone. They get a text message and they're sitting there responding to it. They're checking their text message. Should they do that or should they not? What do you think? Should people be playing a game on their phone during a worship service, during a sermon? Should be should people be clipping their fingernails during a service? Should people be drinking coffee during a worship service? Should people people be eating candy? Should people be drinking water? Should people get up? What, what, what should people leave to go to the restroom? What should or shouldn't people do during a worship service? Now, I think every individual probably has a different line drawn, right? Hey, they, and, and, and I bet you that there's probably a massive difference between older and younger generations, right? Sometimes it's a general, well, back in my day, what should you wear to church? Some people be like, in my day, the men wore a suit and a tie and the women wore a dress. And I don't know what's wrong with this culture today. These kids come walking into church where, and I can't, I always hate that generational thing. Back in my day, like your day isn't the standard. Who made your day the standard? Your day isn't the standard. Get over yourself. Okay. All right. So I can't stand that whole way of thinking, but I think there's always this you know, what you can and can't do. And a lot of times it is very generational. It's based off generations. But again, I'm, uh, so I'm going to get back to the question. Can you, should you drink a cup of coffee during worship? Oh, here's the real question. Have you ever done that? Have you ever walked into the sanctuary with a cup of coffee? And, and the pastor's up there trying to preach and you're drinking coffee. You're drinking coffee. What do you think? Is that a, is that a, a line? Have we crossed the line? And is it even room for a fiery debate? Now, a lot of this is going to come down to, I think in some places, maybe a little bit to deal with the regulative and normative principle. The regulative and normative principle. A regulative and normative principle has a lot to do with what can and cannot be done during a worship service, but I think it could be also, also applicable to what the people in the pew can and cannot do. And we'll talk about the regulative and normative principle before this is over. But let's go to this fascinating news article. When I saw this today, it showed up in my notifications. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. There's a fight over coffee. I mean, of all the, look, I put it this way. I got enough problems in my own life. I got enough sin in my own life. Oh, don't act like you don't. I got enough sin. I got enough problems inside of me that I don't know if I'm really going to be too worried about what people are, or people are drinking coffee in church or not. But it does raise, it raises larger questions about what can and cannot happen in church. Here's the story. All right. So Minnesota pastors viral, not vile. I don't know if I said vile. I apologize. Viral post about people drinking coffee in church ignites fiery debate. A post by Pastor John Piper. Oh, John Piper has made it in the news. Now, I have more issues with John Piper on his final justification doctrine than I do with coffee, but okay. A post by Pastor John Piper of Minnesota on Saturday, September the 30th, has sparked a heated debate about the appropriateness of drinking coffee during Sunday church services. Can we reassess whether Sunday coffee sipping in the sanctuary fits, asked Piper on X, formerly known as Twitter. I'm going to just start saying on X, the artist formerly known as Twitter, because that's a little reference back to when a certain pop star changed. Okay, never mind. I'm not going to go. Once again, I have to always connect things to music. All right. Piper, a, Bab a Baptist, 
Piper, a Baptist, is a theologian, pastor, and chancellor of Bethlehem College and Seminary in Minneapolis. All right. Well, that's where the singer is from. Okay. All right. Never mind. Okay. Here we go. Piper added that Hebrews 12, 28 states, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. All right. So he's going to use Hebrews 12, 28. Hebrews 12, 28. I'm going to read it from the King James 12, 28, just to see how it reads, because I know he probably was not quoting from the King James. Hebrews 12, 28. Let's see what we find here. What are we going to find here? Hebrews 12, 28. So when you're reading the book of Hebrews and you get to verse 28, here we go. Wherefore, we receive a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Now, the King James says, serve God with reverence and godly fear. He, his translation reads, let us offer acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Now, is this refer, is, is Hebrews 12 referring to what we do in church or is it saying that how we serve God? Do we offer God, I mean, is worship always restricted to what happens on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night? Or is this this thing that we live our life with godly fear and reverence? Uh, we could get into a whole issue with Hebrews 12, 28. Should we restrict it to that's only applicable to church or it's applicable to every area of life? Or if it's applicable to every area of life, then when is it acceptable to sip coffee and when is it not acceptable to sip coffee? In other words, let me, let me, again, this is always hard with the, with being consistent. All right. So I'm sitting here at a table that obviously I used to broadcast from, but I come up here a lot for sermon prep, for Bible study, for devotional study. So I've got the microphone arm right here. I will grab the microphone arm, move it, right? So I'm going to move it, right? So I move it to the side, right? I move it to the side and then I grab my Bible. I grab a notebook. I grab my pencil and then I will start digging in. But guess what I have done many times sitting right here, reading my Bible, studying. Now, I'm going to argue the study of God's word is, in fact, I will argue it's the highest point of worship. I know some people think singing and lifting their hands, but I think hearing from God directly. When I open my Bible, I'm hearing from God directly. That, to me, is the highest point of worship. But I will sit here hearing from God with my Bible, and guess what right here is next to me? Right here is next to me. That's a Coke can. That's a Coke can. And then guess what, what right here is next to me? Hang on. I'm going to reach over. Guess what this is? You know what that is? While I'm sitting here studying my Bible, I sometimes, I at one point was drinking a can of Coke with a bag of peanut M&Ms. Oh, wait. Oh, I'm not supposed M&Ms. Conservatives hate M&Ms because they're somehow woke or, okay, all right, I'm sorry. But a bat of pe- a peanut M&M's. That's a little bit of a joke. Okay. Remember when Tucker Carlson was yelling about M&M's and okay. All right. So I was eating M&M's and drinking a Coke while I was reading and studying my Bible. Now, is that wrong? They said, well, that's different than church. Well, I can understand in church, maybe crunching on some peanut M&Ms could be a little distracting to people around me. So that, but that's not even so much about, well, is it right or appropriate in worship? That's more about just being considerate about people around you, right? Because a lot of, and I do know people sometimes in church, they don't care about anyone around them. They'll just, be, they'll be sitting there having a conversation, right? You'll be trying to preach and you kind of like, Am I interrupting over there? Like, what's going on? Like, when you stand behind the pulpit, the things you see sometimes are mad. Sometimes you're just like, what is going on over there, right? So, but the same thing could be said. Like, look, here's to me. If someone, this is my own thoughts, right? If someone is sitting in the pew, they have their Bible open and notebook open, but they're sipping on a cup of Starbucks. I don't, I'm not too, I'm not, I don't, that doesn't bother me. I have no problem. What bothers me sometimes is when you preach and then you can immediately tell that someone just got ticked off with something you said and then they just go rogue. They're just back there. They're just, they're, they're flipping pages in the Bible. You're not telling anyone to turn anywhere and they're writing things down and you can tell that they decided to go rogue and they're going to now do a Bible study to show, to try to prove that what you just said was wrong. Instead of just writing it down, study this further in their notes and then continue to show respect 
and and uh, to to what is happening. They're back to me. I am more offended by that than someone drinking a cup of coffee. But for you, if you're sitting in the pew behind someone and they're they're over there drinking their Starbucks, does that bother you? Now you can say, well, where does that stop? If someone brings in Taco Bell, or so, someone brings in a meal, and they're sitting there in the pew eating. I mean, I think I think we'd be like, that's a little too far. But where is too far? See, it, sometimes these lines are not clearly delineated, and then everyone has their own opinion. Let, let's see what they have to say here in this story. All right. So Piper's post. So Piper added that Hebrews twelve twenty eight states, "Let us offer uh, to God acceptable wor- worship with reverence and fear." Uh, if so, someone says, "No way." Uh, no way would that bother me. So uh, just to clarify to the person who just said that in the speaker chat, coffee wouldn't bother you or someone having a full-blown meal wouldn't bother you. Like where, where would be the line? If they're sitting on their phone playing a game, would that bother you? Would coffee not? Like wh- where where would be your specific line in this, drawn, drawn in the sand? Where would it be? Where would it be? Where would that line be? Because um, I think um, I, I think everyone has one. Like I said, for me, coffee. I, I, I got you. Got enough. I just want people to show up and participate. Coffee would not be a real issue with me. Uh, not, not an issue with me, but I, but others it may. All right. But here we go. Piper's post has garnered over one thousand responses, with some users appearing shocked. That the very idea of bringing coffee into the solemn church service, while others didn't seem phased in the least. All right, so someone says coffee would absolutely not because it's drink. Food probably would just uh, just think it's odd, bothersome, impossibly. Um, now, but but the reactions have been. So, the, so there's been a great divide here. Some are utterly shocked that someone would bring coffee into the sanctuary. And then others are just kind of like not. Now, I think it's, I, to personally, I think the divide is very much a denominational thing. Let me explain. If you go to a church that's liturgical, like a Lutheran, Episcopalian, Presbyterian, Catholic, I'll, just, I'll go ahead and put Catholic in there because obviously it's very liturgical, that I, I, those service, those churches would probably be like, what in the world are you doing? Like, how did, well, especially in a Catholic church, you're supposed to fast, right? You got to fast, what, uh, 30 minutes, 40 minutes before mass? Is it 30 minutes or 40 minutes? They ch- I think it used to be an hour. I think they reduced it to now 30 or 40 minutes. You have to, re- you have to, so you can't be coming in there with a cup of coffee. You're supposed to fast before you can partake of the, of, uh, the Holy Eucharist. So. Within a Catholic church, I think it would be, I would, I would know nobody would be like, we would, obviously you cannot be taking the Lord's Supper here in a little bit. All right. So, um, but in, but I think it's liturgical. The, the, the space is seen as more sacred. Like the, the whole liturgy, the whole service is seen as more sacred. Where in the Protestant world, the, the more evangelical world, it's just kind of like, well, we sing some songs and we hear a sermon. Right. So what's the problem with having a cup of coffee? Right. Um, I, I think that it's seen more as there may be a line there, but they're much more casual. They're more casual. So I think I think what's going to determine people's responses here on whether you're liturgical or non-liturgical is what I think. Let's see what they go on to say here. Um, I, if someone uh, responded to John Piper, I think we have bigger fish to fry, John. Personally, I'm in awe God puts up with me at all Sunday through Saturday. Now, I do like that. I, I like that. I do believe we probably have bigger issues to deal with, and I'm shocked that God has anything to do with me. Forget whether I'm drinking coffee or not drinking coffee. All right. Uh, Okay. Uh, okay. So someone said that this, this has never even crossed their mind as possibly, uh, an issue. Well, it, I, 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 and I th- you know what? I think that's an interesting perspective because, um, apologize of hitting the microphone. I do think, I, th- I do think sitting in the pew, I, I, I'm looking at more from a pastoral perspective, standing behind the pulpit. There's a lot of things people do that I don't think they see it as an issue. 
Where for me, it's like, oh man, for crying out loud, what is happening? What is going on? What is going on? Where they, but the people there don't see it. And then there's other times that I think people think something is an issue. And they make a bigger issue in trying to fix an issue that I didn't even know was an issue. A lot of times this comes with people trying to correct their children, right? It's like, I I didn't even know there was a problem. And the parents making a bigger issue out of trying to correct the kid, then sometimes it's just let it be. Sometimes it's, it's, it's much easier. And then there's other times parents won't correct their kids and the kids are like underneath the pew, they're crawling here. And you're kind of like, uh, do you need some help because your kid's out of control? And so it's, it's, it's always difficult, but I, I can't think that coffee would be one. I don't, I don't think so because I, I have water in the pulpit. Right. I have water sitting usually right there next a bottle bottle of water, a bottle of water sitting right next to the pulpit. So or sometimes I have it under the pulpit. Um, but usually I'll pull it up and just kind of sit it right there. So if I'm drinking. Right now, you could say, but you're the one speaking. I, I don't know. But I do agree we have bigger fish to fry. And and uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm more shocked that God puts up with any of us much less are dealing with, with with other things other than our coffee. He says, this is, uh, someone else said, there is, there is a valid principle to consider here. Whether or not you agree with this particular application, noted another user. Uh, taken uh, with a heart and concern for reverential worship and holiness should take some time to consider the principle. Now, I do agree that there is a principle here, and that's why I'm covering it, right? That's why I'm covering it. There is a principle because it comes down to what is reverential worship? Where, where do we truly show reverence and worship? What is worship? When should, like, what can we do? Now, again, it comes down to, I think, the regulative and normative principle. What can, what should and shouldn't be happening in church? Now, I think that principle still is somewhat applicable to the people in the pew. But again, it, then, but, but then it kind of reduces reverence to an external act instead of reverence being in the heart. So is reverence something that's in the heart or is reverence something that is external? Or is it something that's in the heart that manifests itself externally and how we act and what we do in a church service? Uh, someone said, said one Roman Catholic priest in response to a Fox News digital query. So Fox News obviously started asking other, you know, other religious leaders about this. Uh, the Roman Catholic priest says, who's drinking coffee during mass? Okay. So the Roman Catholic priest is probably like, what are you even talking about? Who would do such a thing? Like, like that's the most ridiculous thing. It's always funny because, again, the more liturgical the church is, there's a lot of things going on in a liturgical church that they, that they couldn't even wrap our minds around that goes on in a lot of just more evangelical, non-Catholic, non-liturgical churches, right? Because when I was a Lutheran, you walk into the sanctuary, shh. You can be talking outside. You walk into that sanctuary, it's time to be quiet. Time to sit in silence. Quiet as you wait for worship to begin. There's not everyone, hey, John, how's it going? Oh, well, got a new truck. And oh, I went deer hunting yesterday. And everybody's just in the sanctuary talking about everything. Oh, oh, give me a hug. It's been a long, how are your kids doing? Like, you know, everyone's just walking around talking. No, everyone's sitting in their pew when I was a Lutheran and shh, silence. I'll never forget. Um, I was a teenager as a Lutheran, right? Um, and I would I'd come up to receive Holy Communion, to receive the Lord's Supper. And uh, we come forward. Then there was like a uh, there was like an altar. It was like almost like a circle and with, with a rail there and you knelt down to receive uh, the elements, right? Because remember, obviously within Lutheranism, it's sacramental, right? So it's a sacrament. And I was standing there next to another teenager while we were waiting, getting to come up and I made some kind of joke and he kind of laughed and I kind of chuckled. We were really quiet, but the pastor looked at me, basically pointed and told me I could not partake of the Lord's Supper. And then afterwards, he's like, you're going to, if you're going to partake of the Lord's Supper, you do it with reverence and respect. It's not a time for joking around. And if you cannot do that, you will not partake of the Lord's Supper. And I was like, whoa, 
Okay, duly noted, duly noted. I better take that a little bit more serious. Now, I've also seen, I remember attending a church service at Pioneer Drive Baptist Church right here in Abilene, Texas. It was a Sunday night and uh, they're going to do the Lord's Supper. And I'm sitting here watching it and I'm like, what is happening? There's just kids like they're sleeping. Parents are waking them up. The kids are not paying any attention and the parents are giving them the Lord's Supper. And I'm like, what in the name of bubblegum are you doing? These kids have no idea what's going on. What, what about partaking of the Lord's Supper in a correct way, right? Like what? And it was just like the kids were paying no attention and the parents just grabbing it. You know, when they're passing it out, they're just grabbing a cup for the kid. And, and I'm like, what are you? It's not a snack time. It's not snacky time. That kid doesn't even know. Does that kid even under, is that kid even made a profession of faith? And look, what is going on here? That's, I, that's like a crazy form of open communion. So, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I can see from a Roman Catholic priest, they're like, what's going on? It says in Roman Catholic, Orthodox, Coptic, and certain Protestant denominations, adherents are required to fast from food and beverage prior to receiving the Eucharist. That's very true in a, and, and, and a, uh, sacramental churches. Again, Orthodox, Roman Catholic. I knew the Catholic system better than I know Orthodox or Coptic. Um, uh, certain Protestant denominations, I'm assuming probably within Reformed tradition who may hold to the, to this. But each tradition has its own rules regarding how long adherents should fast as their various websites noted. Canon 9 19, Canon 919 of the Code of Canon Law states that those who will be receiving communion must fast from all food and beverages other than water for at least one hour prior to reception. Okay, so it is an hour. Okay, uh, so the Catholic Church is an hour. I thought it was 30 minutes at some point, but the fasting uh, time frame used to be longer uh, said a Catholic priest of the Archdiocese of St. Paul in uh, Minneapolis. Um, for a long time, the fast was from midnight to uh, through breakfast is when you broke the fast, said the Roman Catholic priest. In recent uh, times, this was reduced to three hours and now one hour prior to receiving communion. In practice, this means that Catholics who will be receiving communion should not eat or drink about 20 minutes prior to the start of Mass, he said. While no church law prevents someone who isn't receiving communion, while no church law prevents someone who isn't receiving communion from eating or drinking at mass, it would be, it would be unseemly for anyone to do so other than young children as the sanctuary and nave of a Catholic church are spaces consecrated specifically for worship. Now I, I struggled with this. After being a Lutheran and, you know, thought about, wanted to become a Lutheran pastor, when I kind of came back to the Baptist world, I did struggle with that. I did, I, I, even when I was a young pastor, I struggled with this. I was like, for crying out loud, can we walk into the sanctuary and act like, I don't know, like we're here to do something other than meet our friends? It's like, hey, 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 everybody's talking and you're like, is anybody going to sit down and prepare their hearts and self for for the singing of the hymns and the, and offering up our worship to God by hearing his word. Like it just seems so like casual, but, but that was me carrying a lot of my Lutheranism over with me. Now, at some point you kind of just give up and realize you're never going to convince people in a non-liturgical service to do that. They don't perceive the sanctuary necessary as a consecrated place specifically designed for worship. They, they just see it as a space. So it's very different mentality. Very, so you see how your theology could greatly impact this. Um, someone else, uh, her name, Sarah Saint, and I don't know how to pronounce her last name, describes herself as a Lutheran and is based in New, New York. She wrote that she was shocked at all of you, meaning those who defended the idea of drinking coffee during religious service. See, once again, a Lutheran is like, I, I can't believe anybody would even think about doing this. Like, there's just no way, right? And, and that, again, uh, she later clarified that while the strong language in her tweet was in jest, she still vehemently opposed to people bringing coffee to church, although she did not believe it was a sin. I never, never said it's a sin to drink coffee in church. So no, I'm not being legalistic, judgmental whatsoever. Uh, the average American uh, church service lasts less than two hours, she said. And the average person, she said, should be able to manage two hours without having a coffee. Okay. Well, <laughs> 
Maybe. Okay. Coffee drinkers may differ with that. Some people argued that coffee in the sanctuary was completely fine and even in line with biblical teaching. Worship. Now, here's what someone said. Now, this is someone more from the, the, the evangelical side. Worship is about the community coming together. So yes, coffee and of course tea absolutely fits. Hospitality is a gift from above. Um, and this is what someone posted. See, they see it as a community. See, you see the difference in philosophy? It's so radically different. Like some like, no, it's a consecrated space for worship. We come to worship God. Our, our focus here is God-centric. It, we're here to hear God speak to us in his word. We're, we're here to offer our praise and prayer to him. We're here to partake of the sacrament or whatever the case may be. That's their view. And then in the evangelical, it's community time. We meet all of our friends and we get to catch up and we get to talk. It's fellowship time, right? And, oh yeah, we're going to sing some songs and we're going to hear a sermon, but it's viewed in a radically different, it's like, it's almost two different worlds. It's like, they're not even, sometimes you think, is this all part of the same religion? Right? It's very different. Um, Someone said that another person, and all they did in this article was grabbed a lot of the tweets that were, I'm sorry, the, are they called X's? Okay. The, the post on X, they just grabbed a lot of what people said here. And it says this, this person said, drinking coffee in church keeps my mind sharp and ready to receive the word. So this person feels like he needs the coffee so that he'll be ready and alert to receive the word. Now you, you, th- you could think, well, I mean, what were you doing all morning? But see, then it's easy for someone to say, what were you doing all morning? If you've got kids and you got a family, just getting to church on time can be a challenge, right? See, in theory, you would think everyone would wake up an hour early. Everyone would have a large breakfast and everyone would show up to church prepared mentally and physically and emotionally. But we all know if you ever had kids, you wake up and you get to church and you're like, ah, okay, what, a, what am I doing with my life, right? You're just like, oh, leave me alone, okay? Like, like you're just, you can be, oh, come on. I can't be, you can't be the only one, right? Because it's funny if you're a pastor, if you can just stand somewhere where people can't see you and you can watch the parking lot, you see the people pull up who are not having a good morning. And then you, and then you just, you run away from the window and you stand at the door and they walk in, good morning, pastor, after you could t- tell that they were ready to be a, you know, they, they were calling the divorce attorney in the parking lot. But that's the way we do. So it, so, but at the same time, do you want people to be like, I don't know. I, I, I go back and forth. Like there's a part of me that longs for that reverence and that silence and that, that sacredness of the space and of the time, right? That it's consecrated to this. Then there's another part that you do like people just coming in, being honest and real. And, you know, I, I don't know. There's, there's two different ways of looking at this. Um, someone said, an, an, uh, some, this person, another person said, I see no problem with it as long as it's not a distraction, but who knows what you don't think is a distraction, maybe a distraction to someone else. So you don't know. Um, I've always, this has always been my approach is to sit as close to the front. When I, when I was not a pastor, it's always to sit as close to the front as possible. That was always my theory. Sit as close to the front as possible. The reason why? No one is a distraction. If someone's trying to discipline their kids, you don't see it. If a husband and wife are having an argument, you don't see it. If someone's messing with their, you know, with whatever, you don't see, you don't see any of it. So I always would sit as close to the front. I mean, like even even like the first church service I attended after becoming a Christian, I just walked into the sanctuary and I think I sat on the front pew. And I think everybody was looking at me like nobody sits up there. I'm like, well, if I sit in the back, all you people are going to distract me. Okay, I mean, I'm here to hear the word. All right, so um, yeah, so that that was always my theory. Um, it says someone else said. Um, someone from a, again, another one from another Lutheran church, uh, is not in favor of church attendees drinking coffee during religious service. I see it once again, liturgical. No, 
the more evangelical are, are yes. While the vast majority of Lutherans I know are coffee lovers, I've known very few who would even think of bringing a cup into the sanctuary during the divine service. See how, see how it's noted? The divine service. It's, it's liturgical. It, it, whether you're referring to it as a mass or divine service, those who see the entire process of this sacred, holy act that is consecrated, they're going to view it completely different. As someone says they will look uh, for the back row, so no one looks at me and I can drink coffee and peas. Okay, that's a, all right. That's good. I guess if you want to be in the back, then no one can see you. But I don't want to be in the back because I'm going to be distracted by everyone in front of me. I want to be in the front so that I'm not distracted by anybody else. But I guess it being in the back, then you don't have to worry about being a distraction. So I, yeah, so everyone's got their different philosophies probably on where where they sit as well. Uh, he goes on to say that for Lutherans, holy worship is far more than a, theolog- a theological lecture. It's gathering to receive Christ's forgiveness, life, and salvation. When God pours out these gifts upon us through his word and sacrament, that makes our sanctuary the holiest place on earth. Let's not turn our father's house into a house of fair trade and dark roast. <laughs> That's... But again, if you see how you view what's going on, if you just view it as a place to hear a theological lecture, it's different. But there, there's been, there's been, there's been times as a pastor, I wanted to try to bring more of a Lutheran mindset to the worship. But then at some point you realize you're just, it's, it's a losing cause and a non-Lutheran church because the average person just sees it in a radically different way. They don't see this as some divine, they're just like, you're coming to church, we're going to sing some songs, we'll offer some prayers, we'll get to meet some people, we get to talk to some friends, and then, um, oh yeah, we'll get a sermon. It's a, it's so different mindset, so different, but in a, a Lutheran church is radically different, I, and I can attest to that. Uh, not all clergy members who spoke to Fox about the issue are opposed to members of their congregation sipping coffee in the middle of Sunday services. Um, A a pastor from an Episcopal church uh, told uh, Fox that in his parish, coffee seems to be the eighth sacrament. That's, that's, That's a little kind of theological humor. The Episcopalians, he said, do not have formal rules in place regarding fasting before the reception of communion. There is no mention of fasting and the principles of canon law common to the churches of the Anglican Communion, nor in the Episcopal Church's constitution and canons. There's a broad spectrum of practices. Some people do fast, but it's personal. Not many bring anything but water to the Eucharist, but nor but during morning prayer on Wednesdays, it's common. A saint, uh, he says, has a he says their church has a casual but reverent approach to worship. We're small and I'm busy enough that being uh, the coffee uh, cop isn't a good use of my time. Okay, right. That's that's funny. Yeah. The debate over coffee in the church is, is a complete non-starter for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, also known as the Mormons, because coffee is strictly forbidden at all times, right? You're not supposed to drink coffee at all. Uh, in the early 1800s, God revealed a law of physical and spiritual health that we refer to as the word of wisdom, says the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints on its website. In this law, God details uh, foods that are good for us to eat, as well as substances that we should avoid because of the harm they cause our bodies. Coffee, along with tea and alcohol, are among the substances that members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints avoid. So, if you love coffee, you may not want to become a Mormon, all right? A rabbi based in Florida shared his perspective on the notion of drinking coffee during religious services. In Jewish tradition, prayer is an opportunity to dialogue with, praise, and even make a request from Almighty God, said the rabbi, who serves as as a director of the American Faith Coalition, a nonprofit, a not-for-profit organization focused on sharing the moral laws and spiritual values of the Hebrew Bible. 
Attending synagogue and praying with a congregation is geared to create an experience of approaching a king, Taylor also said. With that in mind, we do things that help us get into the mindset. For example, we dress up in a way that we would if we were in front of a king of flesh and blood. We put on a certain garb, not because God cares what we wear, but but to put ourselves in the headspace of standing before the king of kings. He added, prayer is an exercise in humility, and sipping coffee during the prayer experience seems to be something casual and irreverent, not befitting being in the focused presence of royalty. Overall, this seems like something that should be avoided. So there you have the great coffee debate of 2023. Should people drink coffee in a worship service, and what other things should or shouldn't be done. Now, I keep mentioning the regulative and normative principle. Let me just remind you what the regulative and normative principle is, just so that you know, and you can apply this. We've talked about this on this podcast so many times. The the regulative principle of worship maintains that scripture gives specific guidelines for conducting corporate worship services, and that churches must not add anything to those guidelines, all right? So in other words, and the regulative principle, you must have specific rules that say, this is what you can and can't do, and you can't add anything else to it. You can't. You've got to have a clear example or a, or a clear rule. Uh, okay. Someone, obviously making a joke, I agree church is sacred, so I had all the restrooms removed from ours, but I think to be fair... The restrooms are not located in the sanctuary. So the thing is, most of these churches, at least within a Lutheran church or many other churches, the coffee could be somewhere else. It just could not be in the sanctuary. Inside the sanctuary, you shh, it's sacred, you worship. Outside, you talk, you meet, you greet. Outside, you could drink coffee. Inside, we're coming to worship the king, so you're going to act like a reverential way. So I think to be fair that, yeah, I mean, those things are located outside of the sanctuary. Inside the sanctuary, there's a reason it's the sanctuary. It's the reason it's considered consecrated. It's the reason it's considered sacred. But the regulative principle is like, no, 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 look. We're not going to do anything in this worship service that's not specifically outlined in Scripture. And if it's not, we're not going to do it. Now, even with among regulative principle people, there's disagreement. Some regulative uh, principle people said, therefore, all there should be no musical instruments. You should only be singing a cappella because there's no musical instruments given as an instruction in the New Testament when it comes to worship. So, see, that's... There's disagreements even among the regulative principle, but the regulative is very, very, very strict. Now, the normative, the normative principle, they also would say they use the Bible as the final authority, but they teach that anything not expressly forbidden may be incorporated into services. So the normative is like, hey, unless it's forbidden, we can do it. Therefore, we can have drama. We can have special music. We can movie clips. (sighs) And here's the worst. We can have PowerPoint presentations. <laughs> My goodness. Okay, right there. Just the fact that the normative principle will allow PowerPoint presentations is good enough reason for me to say the normative principle is ungodly and should be for. I hate PowerPoint principle. I hate PowerPoint presentations. Hate them, loathe them, despise them, would want to burn the building to the ground. Okay, maybe that's a little bit of hyperbole. Someone's going to accuse me of being dramatic, but I hate them because I had to sit through PowerPoint point presentation briefings a million times in the United States military, and I just wanted to scream and like, you could have just emailed me the slides because all you're doing is reading them to me. I don't need your slides. Okay. Speak. Okay. Don't be reading the slides. If you can't do a presentation and you got to have a PowerPoint so that you can read it to people, then, oh, okay. Yeah. Right. So I, I reject the normative principle just because it allows for the evil PowerPoint. But there, those are the different approaches. All right. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I, I don't think you need slides. Now, there's sometimes, though, to be fair, right, as much as I hate PowerPoint, there's times you've even heard me say it during sermons. Well, if I had a, if I had a slide right now, I could show you, right? If I had something, right? 
I, I could show you, right? So there's times I wish I could show someone, like if you're going to show a place or a, 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 ma- a map, or you're going to show a structure like the tabernacle or like, you know, or, you know, or whatever. Or if you're trying to demonstrate, sometimes it, it could be beneficial, but oh, I would never have a PowerPoint. I just couldn't, oh, couldn't. I'm scarred. I'm just scarred. The United States military, they broke me in so many different ways. Okay, that's one of them. So there's the regulative and normative. Now, once you have established whether your church uses the regulative or normative. Now, what I have found, churches will be like, we use the regulative. And you'll be like, then why are you doing that? Because there's nowhere that in church. Well, we use the normative. And then they will forbid Something that's not expressly forbidden in scripture. I don't think most churches are very consistent with regulative or normative. I think most churches are, we just kind of make up the rules as we go along. And a lot of times it's determined by what people like or don't like. And I think a lot of times it's not true. It's not a very true outlined principle. But there you have it. The great coffee debate of 2023. John Piper started it. I'm telling you, my issues with John Piper is his final justification uh, doctrine, which is to me pure Roman Catholicism. But that's a whole different issue. Right, that guy, I got more issues with that than I got with his views on coffee. But is it is it just because I don't know his age? What is John Piper's age? I don't know. Is it like an older guy just griping? You know, get off, stay off my yard, you kids. Right? Is it is it that kind of thing? I don't know. I don't know. Is it, is he, something bothered him? I know sometimes from the pew, from the pulpit, you see things, people do things and you just like, oh. I know some pastors hate people having their phones. They loathe, some churches almost want to make a rule. No, and I'm more encourage it. I'm like, get out your phones, get out your phones. Look, look it up. Look this up. Hey, someone look it up. Look this up. Look at, Hey, everyone grab your phones, open up the blue letter Bible app. All right. I'm always telling people to get their phones. Now there are times I'm sitting there looking, going, you think maybe you could text them back, I don't know, after church, okay, right? Because I'm trying to talk, okay? Or, but see, the same thing can happen even forget the phone. What I cannot stand, and this happens all the time. And again, you notice it in a smaller church and you may not notice it in a bigger church is when you're like, okay, everyone, turn to Hebrews chapter eight. Now, of these things which we have spoken. All right, stop. That's that's Hebrews chapter eight, verse one. Now of these things which we have spoken. All right, everyone, let's stop right there. All right, let's stop right there. And then you you get ready to start trying to explain or build you now how you're going to, and you'll just notice three, four people, five people, and they're just still reading. And they're just still reading. And you just kind of want to just stop. And go, are, are you done? Are you done? <laughs> because I'm trying to talk, right? If you're reading, you're not listening to me. Yeah, you're just, you. oh, that drives me crazy. Sometimes that drives me crazy. And sometimes, or if I'll tell everyone to look up in, uh, something in a Bible dictionary, right? I'll read part of it and then I want to uh, add commentary, analysis, critique, what, and I'll see everyone's still reading. And I'm like, hey guys, I'm still, I'm talking here. And then, and then I'll say something. And then when I notice nobody's paying attention, then I'll ask a question. And then almost inevitably, someone will be like, wait, what was the question again? <laughs> yeah, I wonder why you st- you're reading. Pay attention, right? So you notice that from the pew, right? You know, or from the pulpit and the pew, you don't catch all of that stuff. But I think it, it is a question. Are you going to adhere to the regulative or normative? And would regulative and normative address what people can and cannot be doing in the pew. And if you're going to say it's not reverent to do it in the sanctuary, well, then would it be reverent for me right here at this desk? Again, Coke, M&M's, Bible, pencil, notebook. Oh, I got a devotional guide right here that someone purchased for me that I love, love, love. God granted daily devotions from CFW Walther. It stays right here on my desk. Right here. Stays right here on my desk. If I take this devotional and I'm sitting here and I'm reading and I'm maybe praying, thinking it through, but all of a sudden I start drinking a Coke or eating some M&Ms. Is that not the same thing? 
Now, of course, those who are more liturgical go, no, it's not the same thing because the divine worship, the liturgy is divine, it is consecrated, it is sacred. So therefore, act that way. Where do you fall into play? Pro-coffee, anti-coffee? Well, I'm, I'm anti-coffee because I think it's disgusting, right? So I don't drink coffee. Now, to be fair, I've never, thinking it through, I don't think I have ever brought uh, any kind of drink when I was a church member into the into the sanctuary. I, I don't think I ever brought I don't think I ever brought anything other than my Bible and my notebook and my pencils. I don't think I've ever had. I'm, I, someone may have to correct me. I don't think I ever did on, under any circumstances, and mainly because I, I had not been a Baptist very long. And then when I became a Lutheran, then I, you know, I was immediately taught that that's just a no. That's just a, that's a hard no. In fact, when you walk into the sanctuary, you shh. Quiet. It's time to focus on God, not anything else. You're not here to meet people. You're not here to talk to people. You're here to hear from God and receive his forgiveness and the gifts that he gives us and the divine worship, which is we have our corporate time of confession where we confess, confess our sins. We hear the beautiful words of absolution where the, uh, the forgiveness of Christ is announced to us. Then we have the praise. Then we hear the, the, the liturgy of the word or I'm breaking it down more Catholic now, but we hear the word and then we receive the word, the living word through the sacrament. Um, because of course, Christ and the Lutheranism, Christ is present within uh, the sacrament. It's not transubstantiation. I think it's called consubstantiation, but a little different. But the whole vibe for the worship service is the same. It's different. And then you, you leave a Lutheran church and you walk into any evangelical Baptist church, it is so like, it's almost like being in, a, like you don't even know if you're in the same religion anymore. It's so laid back and so casual. And you're kind of like, I don't look. There's sometimes I love the casualness, and there's sometimes I love the more sacredness. And I wish some cases our churches could have a way to balance it out, where everyone got to. I think sometimes people should show up and go, "Hey, hey, 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 hey." When you show up to church today, we're, we're not where the casualness needs to go away. We're going to show up in a different way. But then next week we can get back. And I, I wish there was a way, but there's no way to maintain that. People get used to a certain thing and you just have to keep giving that to them. But there's pros and cons of both. So I just think the coffee discussion to me is foolishness in some ways because I, I don't really care too much. But it has these deeper issues of when you go to church Sunday, it's Friday. Are you walking into a church that operates under the regulative principle, the normative principle, and what should and shouldn't be allowed in the pew? And what impacts do you think it has? You can email me your thoughts, newsif at at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. And that is your today's focus for Friday, October the 6th, 2023, coffee. During worship, would love to get your thoughts.